Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, this is Guys with hey, Bibles. This is guys with Bibles. No, this is Guys with Bibles. This is Guys with Bibles. I'm scared. And I'm. Shut up. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And I'm Scott. <laughs> and we're talking about. And that was Cartman before. Oh. Hey, guys. Anyways. Hey, dude, We're talking about theophanies today, guys. What? What what do you guys think of theophanies? Well, I'm coming in like a whirlwind, so just be ready. You're coming in like a. I'm fascinated. You're coming in like a wrecking ball, aren't you? Okay, man. Dog on it. I was just about to say it. <laughs> All right. What were the questions? Yeah. What were the qu- theophanies? Okay. Well, we're gonna get right to it. First question: What exactly is a theophany? Oh, this is a trick question. I'll go. I'll go. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna you, give you a Beth Moore answer. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I ain't got any, anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of if Beth Moore even commented on theophanies, which would have been entertaining. I'm actually gonna look up for a quote from Beth Moore on theophanies. I think. I guarantee she's never commented. You don't on think it so? Because she's not a Bible teacher. <sighs> Don't tell me that. She's my theological she, role model. She's a she's a charlatan. That's it. I'm looking. I'm looking. All right. Okay, so here's what I said. I said a theophany was a visible manifestation of the invisible God, usually imparting a message to his people or a certain delegate of his people. Mine was a little more simpler because I'm a simple-minded man. But uh, I have... A visual appearance or manifestation of God in the Old Testament. But. Heresy. It's also used with. Heresy. God uses his creation to make himself visible, to appear. He uses his creation. Such as. Anything that. Such as the, the burning bush. Yes. Anything that he has made, he has. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, she has made theophany quotes. Oh, ho, ho. has she? Oh, buddy, aren't you guys? I bet they're unorthodox. Uh. So, in what you were saying before, are you you're not conflating general revelation with theophanies, are you? Because I would say I would say theophany would be a little different than you know the outworking of you know the verse in Psalms where it says the heavens declare the glory of God. But the heavens do clear the glory of God. 
And they do. That's general revelation. Right. But I think a theophany is a little more special than right. that. A theophany is like whirlwind, the fire, the... Uh, the sometimes random dude, random the, men, the, dark, the, the angel darkness of the Lord, falling on the exactly. mountain. Uh, there were the clouds. He came in as a cloud. Um, the pillar of cloud yeah, and the pillar, pillar of fire. Of fire. Yeah. So I mean, sure. okay, gotcha. I know where you're you coming know, from. He's now. using certain. It's more than just the angel yes, of God. Yes, it's more than he's using his entire creation in order to make himself known. So what I. You're not you're not finding a Beth Moore quote. No, right? unfortunately, she doesn't have any good ones. <laughs> <sighs> I'm actually very good disappointed. Figure. Go figure. He's a genie. Go home, Beth Moore. Anyways, so I have I do have a okay. quote, um, well, a verse from Job 38:1, um, and then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, "Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge?" Um, so he comes in like a Beth Moore. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> did you say Beth Moore? All right, I did. So <laughs> Job knew that he had met God. There was no mistaking it. Um, not only did God speak words with divine authority and wisdom, but the visible, the visible whirlwind reinforced the whole occasion that God made an appearance before Job. So Job knew immediately he was in a meeting with the all-powerful God. And I'm pretty sure Job even talks about it. Um, in Job 42.2, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And this is this. These are different ways on how God appears. He also appears to uh, Moses as a burning bush. Okay. All right. So, question number two is: What is the significance of God manifesting Himself to His people? So that He can be known. Crickets. Crickets. Well, I mean, so that why does He manifest Himself in different forms to His people? Well, just generally, what is the significance of God manifesting it all to his people? It's It was basically a sign saying, I'm with you. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, uh, I, I said... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Lee. Go ahead. I, I took it more to uh, to the nature of God. I said, because he's always been a transcendent God, he doesn't you know, drop a fax from heaven, right. so to speak. He's or, having a personal just, relationship. You know, throw some, yeah, he's not going to just throw some golden tablets down to have one charlatan read them and then move on and create his own little cult. Instead, he, like, for instance, like you said, he meets with Moses on the mountaintop, and he's he inscribes the Ten Commandments with his very own finger. Uh, his tabernacle was in the middle of the camp where the Israelites were wandering, so God has always been a transcendent God and always been with his people. Right. Yeah, I kind of I exactly. kind of went that same direction in a sense um through these manifestations God was preparing us for the incarnation in a sense cuz Christ has always desired to dwell with his people. And uh, the the incarnation, it wasn't the first time that Christ came 
to his people, which we'll get to later. Uh, but it was the will of God to send Christ in the incarnation to finish the Father's work. But these these theophanies are sometimes that some of them are referred to as Christophanies, right? Where Christ yes, appears and yeah, yeah. R- right mm-hmm. in 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 different forms. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it was just a. I kind of went that direction. That these I, are that's a great answer. These are these are more of a a sign and a foreshadowing of the desire for Christ to always dwell with his people. Right. And and a theophany, basically in a Christ's um, incarnation, Christ is a permanent theophany of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's important that we the ultimate, the be all end all of, of in a sense. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's important. We, backtrack a little bit and go back to the word theophany um, and break it up into its two Greek words that it was originally. Um, so you can break break theophany up into the word of God, theos, and the word of appearing, um, which means a passive means of appear, is phiano or phiano. Um, oh. So, I mean, theophany is basically just, it's an, the simplest answer is an appearance of God. Um, we use this word theophany more narrowly or more broadly. Um, a broader use for a theophany is it would encompass not only um, obvious instances described in appearance of God, but also appearances that are more veiled as when God appears in a cloud and no one can see inside the cloud. Um, the broad sense would be the appearance of God in like a New Testament sense, including the appearing of Christ himself. Um, that would be more of a broad sense of looking at a theophany. And, and knowing that helps clear up a lot of difficult passages that are a little hard to understand uh, sometimes. Right. And a lot of people, they, they struggle to see the significance for a theophany, um, which is very important throughout Scripture. Now, sometimes they can stretch a theophany to an extreme in certain extents or try to make a theophany out of something that is actually not a theophany. Um, right, because like misunderstanding theophanies is what led... Um some some groups to think that um, Jesus is actually the archangel Michael. Right, and that's how we have like Jehovah's that. Witnesses. Um. Right. All right. Okay, well, well, uh, to get ready for this question, one of the weirdest characters, and I shouldn't say weird, one of the strangest appearances um, in Scripture in the Old Testament is this dude called the the angel of the Lord. The angel, kind of like the Ohio State University. Right. Yes, except better. There's only one. Coming That's Highlander. Balls. But yes, but there can only be one. But uh, who is the angel of the Lord, and how is the angel of the Lord different from an angel? Well, I mean, in general. So the angel of the Lord is is Christ. Yes. Yay for the Sunday school answer being right. Hey, you're welcome. 
I actually learned this from watching the uh, Christ in the Old Testament on fifteen uh, seventeen with our buddy Boom. with our buddy Chad Bird, a past guest. But he Dude, he that, that was so good that series. He explained that the angel of the Lord in Hebrew is the Malak Yahweh, which we translate as angel of the Lord, but it is actually literally you could translate it as the word of God or the word of the father. So in that interesting. So, uh, and Jesus Christ was the word that became flesh. So that that's interesting. How I broke this down was the angel of the Lord. He had attributes that a normal angel, a creature did not have. And he, he, uh, had full divine authority. He acted with full divine authority. He, mm-hmm. he's called Yahweh and God through in different stories in the old Testament. I'm thinking of, I believe, Judges ha- 13. I believe oh. Hagar said, you know, you are a God of who sees, Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Gideon had a run in with him. Maybe I can't remember. But Gideon had a run in as well yeah. when he was putting out the fleece. Right. Yep. And yep. uh, it, but the the thing is, he he has the power to forgive sins. All these things, but it, he is and he accepts sacrifices. He accepts, sometimes and he accepts worship. Uh, mm-hmm. normally when a normal angel appears to somebody in scripture, they bow or they, they fall to their face, probably more out of in fear the- than anything, but out of worship and fear. And, and that if it's not the, the angel of the Lord, they tell him to get up because they don't right. deserve worship. But the, the angel of the Lord always accepted worship. And angels will tell people do not fear but when it, the angel of the Lord comes, he doesn't always say, do not fear, because you probably should fear, because it's Yahweh you're talking to. Yes. And, or who's talking to you. But the, how, it's, how it's spoken of in Scripture is, although he talks as if he is God, which he is, and people call him God, he is still, it's still written that he is distinct from God. So mm-hmm. there's a little right. bit, little bit of a trinitarian aspect to it as well, even in the Old Testament, which people say that the Trinity isn't there, but it is. Pshaw, pish posh. But anyways, so I think it's important that we also look at he manifests himself as a man. Jacob wrestled with God too, right? Um, and it's even said that. You have wrestled with God, you know, and which I think that's that's a really sweet passage. I think that's a neat one. Um, the Israelites yeah. they held on to that passage for years and years and years, and are still holding to it today. Um, so I right, it it affected what what part of of meat that they eat. They won't eat the sinew of the of the hip because that's where the that's where the angel touched him and he was he limped. Um one of my favorite theophany passages is actually in Judges 13 yeah. when uh Sam when Samson's birth is uh announced 
it's hilarious um, because so the angel comes in. This is chapter thirteen, and he gives he gives the instructions. You know, um, you're barren. You haven't you haven't given birth to any children. Uh, but you you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Um, and then for behold. You shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. So she's, you know, all excited about it and uh, tells her husband, um, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I love, I love how the Nazbi says, very awesome. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, that sounds, but, like, that but sounds then, like it would be the CSB. It kind of does. Um but the the point that I wanted to get to comes in um, uh, verse 15, where Manoah, Samson's dad, says, uh, please let us detain you so that we may prepare a young goat for you. And at this point, when a, when just a regular angel, a creature, would appear to somebody, they would say, he would say, no, don't sacrifice to me, worship the Lord only. But uh, he says, though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering and then offer it to the Lord... Uh, so for Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. So he says, what is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said, why do you ask my name? Seeing that it is wonderful. So he took the young goat with the grain offering, offered it on the rock, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. And the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah or his wife again. So he he offers the burnt offering, and uh, the angel doesn't just disappear, but he um, he disappears in the flames. He ascended in the flame of the altar, which I think right right there you you kind of get a little bit of a. Uh, you, well, I mean, you have a Christological picture all through here, but I think in that sacrifice, you get a clear picture that this really is Christ. Because, you know, just as he would ascend to heaven uh, after going to the cross, here at this point, he ascends back uh, back to heaven in the flames of a sacrifice. Right. No ordinary angel would do that. So that's one of my faves. One of my faves is actually in 1 Kings 18. I think it's verse 38. Yeah. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord is... He is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slew them there. I just, nice. that's like one of my favorites in Kings. I think that is an amazing passage. I mean, a lot. And just before that, he taunted them and said that Baal was on the right, toilet. Right, right. He says, what, what is your... So he not only mocked their false god, but then when Yahweh proved himself and the, 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 the prophets of Baal then confessed that God was God, 
then he spilled their blood all across the valley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that one's a sweet one. A fitting, a fitting end to people that hated God their entire lives. Yeah. Elijah was so metal. He, he was so metal. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what that means. He was metal. Like, like heavy metal. Um, I had a, I had another, had another one. Metal. 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 I'm a- you know that, yeah, that hard thing, sometimes magnets stick to it, sometimes they don't. That's called metal. Yeah, I don't think that's what he was meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, did you have a, did you have a passage that you wanted to, to talk about? Um... Why don't we give them like a list of passages that where they can find theophanies? Well, well, my next question was give me some examples of theophanies. So, so you, from scripture. So, if you want examples, um, you can go to. Hmm, let's see. You can go through the anthropomorphic, um, like sounds uh, throughout scripture of the theophanies, like God walking in Eden, Genesis three eight. Um, the three men who visit Abraham uh, at Mamre, that's in 18, tw- 1 through 2. Jacob's wrestling, uh, Moses' view of God's back, Exodus 33, 18 through 23. Um, the angel of the Lord who conveys divine messages um, in Genesis 16, 7 through 12, 21, verse 17 through 18. Um, numbers 22 32 through 35 um, sometimes he turns out to be Yahweh himself uh, Genesis 18 verse 16 um, judges and th- judges 13 um, and then did you get Joshua 5 no I did not write that one down <gasps> yeah, why did Joshua I not write that down Joshua 5 13 through 13 through 15. The angel not only has a sword in his hand, like Jesus has a sword in Revelation, but then uh, he accepts the worship of Joshua, and like uh, Yahweh told Moses out of the burning bush, uh, the captain of the Lord's host says to Joshua, remove your sandals right. for this place That's where you're standing right. is holy. I totally forgot about that one. That is um, such a, that is such a, a good, good one. one. I wrote some that God also... He appears as natural phenomenon, like as clouds, storms, lightning, and fire. Um, Exodus 3, verses 2 through 6. Exodus 13, 21. Exodus 19, 18 through 19. Exodus 24, 15 through 18. Isaiah 30, verses 27 through 28. Um, let's see. Um, Elijah, where he is hiding out... Uh, I'm trying to get, I think it's in, is that chapter 19? Yeah, what's he appearing at in chapter 19 in Elijah, in that one? Where Elijah, um, where he sees, you know, there's the roaring fire, but God wasn't in it. There was a whirlwind, but God wasn't in it. And then there was a quiet whisper, and that was where God was. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, more of an anthropo- um, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic. Yeah, element. Um, and then... Uh, Although it subverts your expectations because you expect God to be in the whirlwind or be in the fire, but but not always. Right. Um, his anger and um, his power are often depicted as a consuming fire um, as well. And these are... That's all over Jeremiah. Yes, um, numbers 11, 1 through 3, 
um, Numbers 16, verse 35, 1 Kings 18:38, as you can see, as we just read, um, Isaiah 30, uh, verses 27, 30, and 33. Um, the account of the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15 would... Uh, would not be. Oh yeah, we're the. Well, this one is actually not considered a theophany per se. Um, by some scholars, they did. They just. I, I think I read this in some notes today. I uh-huh. can't remember where. The one, the one with the one with Elijah and the earthquake and the fire and all that is nineteen. First Kings nineteen, twelve and thirteen. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's yep. Good. I just want to make sure I cleared that up. Woo. But uh, the one where uh, God shows up as a smoking fire pot and blazing torch. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That, In Genesis. Yeah, that one's a really good one. Um, That's a good one. Our last question is a really interesting one. And I'm kind of excited to see what you're going to say about it, Scott, since you didn't do any preparation I, for it. Dude, I'd never <laughs> do any preparation for anything. <laughs> Sean, what's what's the final question? Um, are we talking about the Kronos and Kairos? Oh yeah. Okay. So what is it, in 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 time when we understand time? What is Kronos time and what is Kairos time? Hmm. So my answer is I tried to simplify this as best I could. Chronos uh, time is how we understand time. It's chronological. There's past, present, future. This is how we experience reality. You're watching the clock. Yeah, this is how we experience our reality, our time. Not to get into too much like like astrophysics and stuff, but yeah. but Kairos uh, time is the way God views time and God is outside of time. He is not limited by the laws of nature Mm -hmm. of time and it's non-sequential. So God sees all time at once, basically uh, how I understand it. And, and he doesn't need a good dose of the spice in order to do it. Right. He doesn't need any spice, Melange. No, no spice. No, but he can, God, he can interrupt and and go into any stretch of time that he wants at any moment. Right. Are you talking about a more of an eschatological theophany? Well, there there's a uh, there's a part of of kairos that is kind of eschatological because if you if you track the word kairos through the New Testament, oftentimes it is talking about what we would refer to as the day of the Lord. Or the harvest time, like like when Jesus is talking about the harvest time, he uses the word kairos. So there's a sense of ultimate purpose behind things that are referred to as kairos rather than chronos. Right, and I, so, for some reason, I, and then I just looked up the passage and I kind of understand why I wrote it, but under kairos I wrote Revelation 13.8, which is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Oh, yeah, there you go. So... Christ, which is the the exact same thing that everything's been pointing to, 
right. the ultimate purpose for all of God's revelation. So although Christ was, you know, crucified on a specific day within history, mm-hmm. from from before creation, he was already the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That was Glow always... Gray. So... And that's kind of... That's my answer, so... Or the fact that the, uh, we who are reconciled in Christ now are already seated in the heavenly places, even though we're still struggling against our sins on earth right now. Hmm. But even as we sit now, we're already seated in the heavenly places, like Paul writes. It's a right. similar kind of thing, but yeah. going the opposite direction. Yeah. And a lot... And, and I guess... Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask you, Lee, people were probably wondering, what the heck does that have to do with theophanies? Well, I think I think a big part of what that distinction has to do with a theophany is the fact that when you have either theophany or even better, a Christophany occurring, especially in the Old Testament, what you're, you're getting the intersection of Kronos and Kairos at the, in that time, because and this goes back to my definition from earlier, the reason we have a Christophany or a theophany is because a message is to be delivered. So, you know, if we take, for instance, the, let's take that Joshua passage. So things are happening in, in Joshua's life. He's going on, he's moving forward because there's a mission. They've got to cross the Jordan. They've got to get to the promised land. Okay. And then the captain of the Lord's host comes in and, and that's when Joshua has the conversation with him. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he says, no, rather I indeed come to you as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face. So at that time, he, he's the captain of the, of the armies of the Lord, which we would say would be Christ, is, is kind of breaking into Kronos time there and is refocusing Joshua to keep his eyes on the prize. We're doing this for the glory of God. This isn't for for them to just, you know, snag some new real estate. We're going into the promised land because, number one, God promised it to us, and number two, we are God's people, and we're doing this to glorify right. Him. And and so the the whole meeting with the captain of the army of the Lord is charged with that urgency, the, the um kind of the divine hand steering his people toward the goal that he has set forward for them to to go toward that's actually pretty cool because i had no clue what you were talking about but now that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm following now hopefully our readers that was how i saw it. yeah i had no answer to that question i knew there was a, a a good link between the importance of understanding Kronos and Kairos time and theophanies. And I, Lee's much more eloquent than I am. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't really dive into theophanies. Like, I know where they're at, but I don't consume It's because you're not spiritual in your inner man. Consume myself. You're not- <laughs> you, you hush it. Yeah. I actually... It, it's cool to find theophanies in Scripture, but you also, and I'm guilty of this, you have to be careful not to look for them where they're not actually, when they're not actually there. Yeah. Because right. then you start to read into Scripture things that aren't there. And it can be that dangerous. Can lead to, 
that can be very dangerous. And then, so, but, but this is where having a solid hermeneutic comes in, because if you're taking that, if you think there's a theophany there, the number one thing you need to do is you need to take that passage where you're sensing there might be a theophany. And go by the context. you need to compare it against, yeah, compare it not only to the context of the book that it's in at that point, but then also across to either other confirmed theophanies or actual attributes of Christ or of God to see if it matches. Right. And right. You, like, what um, kind of theophany are you looking at? Are you looking at a creation type theophany where it's a phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Or are you looking at more of a anthropomorphic uh, theophany um, where it's like a sound or a visual of God? I mean, it's all. There's all types right. of different theophanies. You can have an eschatological theophany, like in Isaiah six one through four, um, his announcement as a prophet. Um, you also have. I've actually uh, Ezekiel's oh, uh, vision and appearance um, of the like oh, yeah. likeness and glory oh. of the Lord um, in Ezekiel one. I, and also, yeah, I was gonna say one twenty six. Yeah, John's description of and the risen Christ. And then also in Christ. the passage where he tells him to make to make bread and bake it over his own. Oh poop. man, dude, I, I'm like That's getting hungry thinking about it. Preach, right? <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> Dude, that's gonna be communion. That'll that is preach. gonna be communion bread next That'll week. Preach, baby. Glory. Hey, <laughs> boy. <laughs> You also, now, you also have John's description of uh, the risen Christ in <laughs> Revelations 1, 12 through 16 as an eschatological um, theophany. So um, I think those are very important to acknowledge and definitely do, do study them. Um, look into them. Test them. Um, if you think it's a theophany, ask your pastor. Ask your elders. Um Talk to um, someone with some deep Bible knowledge that you can or die. Send us an email. Send us an email. Definitely ask us. I'd love to talk to you. Yes, guyswbibles at gmail.com. I don't know how many I have or turned tw- Sean and Lee down on. <laughs> or tweet us at guyswithbibles. Okay, so let me ask you one more question. You ask away. So I've I've heard this and I'm I don't know I I'm not in agreement with it I don't disagree with it I don't really know sometimes when in the beginning of a prophetic book such as Jeremiah it it says the word of the Lord came to X prophet the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah right sure some may may consider that a theophany nah. But I, I, I'm, I'm not there. Nah, uh-uh. I think, I think in I, order for it to be a theophany, you need to have an appearance. See, yeah, because that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, as I was doing my research for these questions, I, I stumbled across that. And uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't now, sold now on the that. Call, the call of Isaiah I'd call a theophany because he sees the train of God's robe and Right, There's he sees. Yeah, he sees the of glory of the Lord and all its splendor, and he gets his lips burned off. Yeah, when when they when when they received the word of the Lord, when the prophets received the word of the Lord, I would not I would not call that yeah, a theophany either. Right. 
Because I think what they were trying to get at, from what I gathered, was the word of the Lord came to the prophet, and they are equating Christ as the word made flesh to the word that came to the prophet. I think that's they were trying to make a connection there that wasn't wow. there. Right. That is such a stretch. I think it might be a Pilates move. Right. Jazzercise. <laughs> Jazzercise. That's true. That's heretical scriptural yoga. <laughs> okay. Well, well uh, that's that's really all I have to say at this moment. Yeah, I'm all out of air. Um, so, Sean, <laughs> where can they find us? Well, they can go to the website, guyswithbibles.com. You can listen to the podcast on there or read our wonderful blogs that me and Lee write. Yay! On a regular basis. Um, you can search Guys With Bibles on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. But uh, you can s- search Guys With Bibles on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram if you want. And we'll be on there. And then you, if you want to send us an email, it's guyswbibles at gmail.com. Oh, a couple things. Uh, a couple shout-outs, actually, if you don't mind. I do. Number one. Number one. Okay, I'm going ahead. Sorry. Number one, our friend Dwayne Atkinson, his new podcast, The Sidebar. You guys need to Boom, go and out. subscribe to it. It is so good. It's it's alongside the rest of the Bar family of podcasts, and it it's uh, it's just a fun little look into his morning, and he, he'll usually give you some thoughts, sometimes some devotional thoughts or inspirational thoughts. Good show to start the day with. Um, it's usually only about 15 minutes. It's short. Um, other thing, uh, Michael, uh, who is at JCRMDR on Twitter, uh, created a Bible memorization group, uh, in the name of guys with Bibles in the Bible memory app. And I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Uh, come on and join the group. I think this is a really cool idea. And uh, um, it lets you basically select whatever verses you want to memorize and just go through it. It would be awesome for a bunch of people who follow the podcast to come on there and do it together. So I'll post a link to the app in there. And then I wanted to do a, a little shout out to uh, uh, somebody from Twitter, down under at Keep Australia One, who I'm going to assume is from Australia. Um, keep up being awesome he's he's been it has been going nuts on some furtick posts on on twitter and it's <laughs> dynamite totally dynamite so so keep it up and uh thanks for listening from the land of plenty and we're guys with bibles and we're out little little The spice must flow.